anything that opens our mind and opens our heart is going to be beneficial for us. I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. I'm about to drop some information on you that could quite possibly change your life. It's called Organifi Red Juice. And in preparation for the recording of this promo, I just made myself a glass of it. And I was reminded of the fact that Organifi has done something nearly impossible And that's to take organic superfoods, adaptogens, antioxidant, medicinal mushrooms, all the things I like to get into my diet and actually make it taste delicious Um, to the point where I could probably do too much of it if that's a thing. Uh, So Organifi Red Juice is absolutely incredible. And at about two to three bucks a glass, uh, you're saving yourself, I would say, $10 over a fresh pressed juice that you would get at your local juice spot. So here's a couple of the ingredients that are really turning me on at the moment. First one being beets. Beets have been shown to help the body clear out toxins, act as a cardioprotective food and a very powerful food for the brain. They also increase exercise endurance due to the fact that they are loaded with nitrate, which is a natural way to increase nitric oxide in the body. Red juice also has a freeze-dried berry blend with blueberries, acai, pomegranate, raspberry, strawberry, cranberries, and then, of course, cordyceps, the medicinal mushroom with incredibly strong adaptogenic qualities. In fact, in 1993, the Chinese women's Olympic track team was accused of being on steroids for their incredible performance. Turns out they were all using cordyceps. Real deal. It's, It's an amazing medicinal mushroom. Also includes Siberian ginseng, reishi mushroom, and rhodiola. So the Organifi Red Juice is power-packed, it's delicious, and something I like to include in my diet as often as possible. So if you're ready to check it out, as I hope you might be, you can go to Organifi.com slash Lifestylist. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, Organifi with an I, dot com slash Lifestylist. And if you're smart enough to use the code Lifestylist, you will save 20% off any item in the store. That's Organifi.com slash Lifestylist. Check out the red juice over there. As someone who's been deeply committed to my own personal health and recovery journey for the past couple decades, uh, the final frontier for me really has a lot to do with my digestion. And over the years, I've made some great advances and improvements, but it's still something I struggle with from time to time. And one of the most important things that I've done to support my gut health is the introduction of the Just Thrive Probiotics. So if you're someone who's tired of feeling gassy, bloated, sick of probiotics and supplements that don't do anything, Just Thrive is here to health. The solution is this. When you find a probiotic that actually does what it's supposed to do, it is a game changer. And the Just Thrive probiotic is the first and only 100% all-natural, spore-formed, DNA-verified, and tested probiotic supplement. As the subject of groundbreaking clinical studies, Just Thrive has demonstrated incomparable effects on the gut and its undeniable connection to the immune system and the brain. The key here is 100% survivability. 
of these probiotic spores. It's also vegan, non-GMO, soy-free, dairy-free, free of all the whack stuff we don't want there. So if you're ready to say goodbye to gut issues and take your gut health to the next level, simply take one capsule per day after a meal or as directed. And to get your hands on some of this Just Thrive probiotic, here's what you do. Go to justthrivehealth.com slash Luke. That's justthrivehealth.com slash Luke. Enter the code Luke15 and save 15% off your entire order. You, my friend, are listening to episode 324 of the Lifestylist podcast, Shroom Shaman Miracles and Mindful Meandering with Harry Paul. Here's what we talk about in this conversation. What led Harry to Peru to study with the shaman there? Why and when he started working with psilocybin as a medicine for transformation? The purpose of MDA, sassafras, or MDMA in some mushroom ceremonies. The role breathwork has played in Harry's healing work. The time we both participated in a 5-MEO-DMT-toed ceremony together. How mushrooms allow us to access the quantum realm. How emotional and physical trauma gets locked in our bodies and how it can be healed. What it's like for him to work with couples in ceremony. The importance of applying the insights attained through plant medicine experiences. The risk of becoming attached to peak experiences. And finally, Harry's views on whether or not plant medicines like psilocybin will become legally and socially accepted in the future. This is an incredible conversation with one of my favorite people in the entire world and one with whom I've shared some incredibly powerful experiences and healings. And uh, that said, here's a little bit about our guest, Harry. He grew up on a ranch in New Mexico and then on an Indian reservation. So this environment based on complete openness and absence of judgment allowed him to develop his senses and his spirit around one mission, to love life and share that love. And then while in the midst of a successful artistic career as an actor and dancer, Harry eventually realized his soul's purpose was to share his love for life and for all. He decided to study the dynamic laws of the universe and unveil its secrets. He traveled to Peru to study extensively with many shamans. Then he spent an intensive period of time learning from various professionals how to channel his spiritual strength through ancient techniques. His gift allows him to bring body, mind, and spirit in a state of total relaxation and operate inside a state of absolute goodness freed from the mind, which he calls living in the sweet spot. And let me tell you, Harry is someone who lives in the sweet spot a lot of the time. Harry has lived a varied and multifaceted life and can relate to all human life experience. As a modern-day shaman, he helps others access the inner world of peace, providing a deep anchor and connection with the power of one's own infinite potential. And it's our hope today that you'll be able to tap into some of your infinite potential in this fascinating conversation with Harry Paul. Enjoy the show, and if you feel so called, share it with a friend. Harry the Healer, here we are, dude. We are here. Thank uh, you, Luke, for yeah. having me on. Yeah. So good to see this you. This is I'm, great. I'm glad we got to fit this in in your busy schedule. Thank you. Traveling around, healing the freaking world. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I do, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's it's so fun to have the opportunity to work with people that I interview and mm -hmm. befriend them as I have with you. And so it's just... It's always just easier and more of a continuation of what we'd be talking about anyway. Right. 
So yes. I don't even think of it as an interview. But anyway, here we are. So let's start back at the beginning a bit. I, I find your story and all the things you've been through and where you ended up uh, as the embodied person you are now. But you grew up in a ranch in New Mexico and then on an Indian reservation. How did that help shape you? Mm. Well, the first part of my life, we lived on this big ranch. So it was a lot of wide open space. And I'm the sixth child. My parents had five children. And then they went 10 years and had me. My mom always said, honey, you were an accident. And I said, no, I was a surprise, mom. There's a difference. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Good distinction. (laughs) Very important. So we lived way out in the middle of nowhere between Santa Fe and Las Vegas, New Mexico on this ranch, beautiful ranch. And um, how it shaped me is, you know, I spent a lot of time alone um, and with a lot of animals and in the mountains. So I had experiences that I thought everybody had. I thought it was normal. I thought every kid is probably having these experiences. I never really thought about it, you know, that that I was the only one having them. And um, then we, we lived on the reservation near Gallup, the Navajo reservation. And that was really, really shaped a part of my life because it took me back to, um, you know, my Indian roots, which is, you know, the Native American Indians honor everything, honor the earth, you know, honor the mythological story of the buffalo is that, you know, the buffalo offered themselves up as sustenance because the Native Americans honored every part of the buffalo and used every part, you know, from the meat to the bones, to the horns, to the hide. And, and, um, so really that shaping of me to honor everything in life, honor myself, honor the earth and honor our process here in this dimension on planet earth. So it shaped me a lot, really. That's a lot of shaping. Yeah. I'm wondering what it was like to be a kid in a rural area in New Mexico and discover you were gay. When did that happen? And was that difficult for you to work through? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I developed a lot of traits of hiding myself. Hiding because two hairy-legged boys liking each other in New Mexico, you know, in a cowboy family, it's pretty taboo. It's like Brokeback yeah. Mountain. Yeah. So, um, yeah, um, I had a lot of parts of myself. So when I first, I think I always knew I was gay, but, um, I had a girlfriend and she was a twin and I was friends with both of them. And I was over at their house one night and he locked us in his parents' bedroom and showed me a thing or two. And I think I I discovered, well, I think I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, um, yeah, it, it takes a lot of acceptance, you know? Acceptance, I think, for all of us, no matter what we face in life, it's acceptance, you know, for all parts of ourselves. And, you know, in the world, where did it come from that it's not okay to be gay? You know, it's, it's like, it doesn't matter who we love. It matters that we love, 
You know, souls have no gender. So we're capable of loving anyone if we choose to, if we really evolve through the layers, you know, it's only the Bible that tells us it's not, it's not meant to be Adam and Steve. It's supposed to be Adam and Eve. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Because homosexuality has been all through time. I mean, yeah. Leonardo da Vinci, you know, had been straight. He would have painted the Sistine Chapel white with a roller, you know? <laughs> right, right. <Yeah. laughs> it wouldn't have been the same, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, so that, I guess, was part of your gift in really learning how to cultivate self-acceptance and embracing uniqueness because you're a very unique human oh. in the best way. But I think... I've just, I think why I asked that question is I'm always just interested in the process that people had to work through, especially when they're young, because even if you kind of fit the more traditional mold of a person, which I never did, I mean, I wasn't gay, but I might as well have been because I was such a freak to all the other kids in school. But you were queer. Yeah, you were yeah, totally. You were totally. <laughs> real fucking queer, real weird. Yeah, I mean, in the best way. But <laughs> yeah. you know, it was. I think a similar kind of learning experience for me. I just had to kind of, in a sort of rebellious way, just embrace those things that other people found hard to accept. Yes. And eventually, yes. through a lot more work, that that led to an acceptance. But I think that feeling when you're young of not fitting in even when you do fit in is pretty strong for most of us. But when you have, when you're in an area like that, I think I reflect too, because I lived in Colorado for a bit when in a really small town when I was a teenager and I had earrings and wore eyeliner and had big eighties punk rock hair and leather jackets. And there was like two kids in the whole town, me and one other kid that looked like that, you know? Yeah. Oh, no, we, would, always, we would have been friends. Yeah. I'm all, yeah. <laughs> you're kind of always looking over your shoulder, waiting for one of the jocks to, or preppies mm-hmm. to kick your ass. And, you know, luckily I didn't, was never subjected to violence, but there was a fair amount of ridicule yeah. and yeah. things like that. And I think that's just, you know, the nature of small-minded, less cultured people to make yes. that more difficult. Yeah. But perhaps you were brought into this body with your preferences and way of being in that place because it was a perfect karmic opportunity for you to get that lesson, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, at one point, you know, I, I said, you know, God, how did you put me in this family, you know, in this mm-hmm. cowboy family? I'm sophisticated. I'm worldly. And here I am in this. And then I really got it. I accepted, you know, I accepted it and I got it. It was, in, it, I, I couldn't have been any other way. You know, it was such a gift coming through that way because mm-hmm. I got to experience unconditional love, you know, for myself. That's, and, and that's the thing that I feel like we all incarnated here for is to learn how to love ourselves totally, fully, completely, and unconditionally. So however we come to that, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we're always trying to fit in. Too, too many of us are trying to fit in and we're, we can't fit in. We can only be unique. We're all unique. All seven... 0.4 billion or whatever people, how many people there are on this planet, we're all unique. We're like snowflakes. We're all unique. And we can't fit in. We can't be like another person. You know, we can only be ourselves. And once we learn that, acceptance is the first tool that I learned, accepting self and then allowing, you know, just a state of allowing is absent of any negative vibration. Just allow, allow oneself to be. It's, it's a process though. It certainly was difficult. I, I have to say, you know, I found a lot of uh, heartache and, you know, 
it, it, you, you get to plow through it, you know, and really learn how to accept yourself. It wasn't and, easy. And what eventually led you into spirituality, the healing arts, going to Peru to study with shaman, and then eventually becoming a shaman? What were some of the key touch points, teachers or teachings along the way, whether it was a, a book, a guru, a meditation technique, yoga, what were some of the stepping stones that, you know, moved you toward where you are now? When I was 17 and we lived on this, uh, my parents raised racehorses and um, I, I became friends with this, this girl and she was doing TM meditation. And I said, oh, I'd like to try that. And so I began meditating and it really opened up a whole world for me. And um, then I moved to California and that opened up a whole new world. <laughs> That's when I really slid out of the closet out here mm-hmm. in California because you, you could be free. You know, you could be much more free than um, in New Mexico. You know, it was much more accepting out here. Um, but I started meditating and you know, I think I've always been spiritual. I think it's just something my mom always told me that I was always a loving person, you know, mm-hmm. and it was just natural for me uh, to be spiritual. You know, most people say we're human beings having a spiritual experience. We are the spiritual experience. We're, look, look, Luke, we're sitting here. We're two human beings. We're energy in motion. We're energy. We can, look, we're being able to communicate right now. We have a voice box two little vocal folds that go together and we can make a sound and translate, you know, meaning to, so that we resonate or communicate with each other, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we're such a phenomenon and there's so many intricate parts to being a human being and, and accepting and really being spiritual, you know, being all of life is spiritual, all of life, my opinion, all of life is spiritual. And what led you to Peru to start investigating shamanism and plant medicines? Well, I really wanted to learn like advanced techniques as a human being, you know, like the secrets to the universe. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. And and I was very drawn to Peru um, because of Machu Picchu and... um, all the things there. So I wound up just going on a, on a spiritual mystical journey, you know, and going to Lima and going to the temple, of the sun and the moon, and then um, going to Nazca and really experiencing phenomenons in the world, like the Thunderbird that's drawn on the earth and it's still there and they still don't know how it got there. Yeah, I just studied with different shamans and every shaman is unique. There's no two shamans alike. It's like, we're like, it's like human beings. Um, The shamans were amazing and had different gifts and, you know, shared different things. And I was just fascinated with it. I, I had, I was what I call on fire. I think I'm always on fire, probably pretty much like you, Luke, you're, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we, it's like, uh, we're, Full on. Full on. Full on. Yeah, thank you. You're going to do it. Fucking do it. (laughs) Fucking do it. Yeah, full on. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. Things we were talking about. um, It's funny as we record this for those listening, you know, um, Harry and I have worked together in two ceremonies uh, using MDA and psilocybin. And um, 
MDA being the heart opener, and we'll get right. into the, that process, but beautiful transformative experiences, but very deep, like real deep medicine experiences. Yes. And last night, um, I went and sat with a friend of mine in a little one-on-one ceremony, and we did um, uh, white lily and kana and sassafras, three really great plant-based heart openers. And then it was the opportunity to take some psilocybin. And I just took a little Mm because I kind of was like, well, I don't know. Let me just see how these three heart openers play out. And about halfway through that, I was like, God, I should have taken more. God damn it. You know, because it's like (laughs) the experiences I had with you with that kind of stack of a combo um, were, I mean, I think, you know, different than ayahuasca, Mm -hmm. but as profound and deep in the realizations and lessons and teachings mm-hmm. that I was able to gain. Yes. And going out into that quantum field and accessing information and memories oh, and yeah. things that needed to be come up and healed and uh, spiritual amends that needed to be made to people in my life and unborn babies that I aborted <laughs> and crazy shit. I'm mean, yeah. just like, wow, this is deep stuff. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I, you know, I thought that I would get some sleep last night and come into this interview fresh and I maybe slept two hours. So I'm kind of still in the medicine. So it's it's actually fun being with you because I don't know, two at least of the extensive periods of time we've spent together have been so deep in these really profound experiences. So I'm kind of having a flashback at the moment. Uh, So I'll try to keep on track here. Um, When you were studying with these shaman down there in Peru, were you guys using ayahuasca or San Pedro or anything or were they just healers? No, they were just healers. Wasn't, mm-hmm. we, we weren't using anything except mm-hmm. just knowledge and learning and mm-hmm. um, experiencing. That's all. Yeah, it wasn't that kind of journey. Um, so, but amazing, amazing things, you know, like each one of them, it, it's almost like I don't want to call it uh, magician, but it's like, you know, they would show and reveal amazing things, you know, and it was so revealing. So, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, so touching and so beautiful that I was just like, I was in it. I was in it to win it. I was just like, I'm fascinated, you know, and then I yeah. wanted to be a shaman and, you know, you go through the fire, you learn how to exist in the flame. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting that you had those experiences with them that had that much of an impact without the medicine because now mm-hmm. in the work that you do, when you're somewhere that you can legally do it, you work with you know medicines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're not, and other times are just based on a client's preference, I guess, uh, you also do shamanic healing journeys with no medicine. Do you think Correct. that was the seed that was planted? Like, the medicine route is one option, but there's a lot that can be done just, you know, eliciting the supernatural yeah. powers that oh, we, yeah. we all have latent. Yeah, there's so much that can be done utilizing supernatural powers. It's everything we're ever going to be, we already are. So how do we unfold that? How do we uncover that? How do we let it evolve, you know? And how do we hold the space for ourselves to really allow that to happen? You know, the only reason that one does the medicine is to be able to um, to hold a state of beingness. And that's what the medicine gives you a different perspective on life. You're able to have epiphanies, revelations about yourself. And, you know, you know, for you, it's like, you know, you're very methodical and you went through like different veins 
to really sort out a lot of different things for yourself mm-hmm. and you got a lot of things that's what it's like it's like you can evolve through lifetimes with with medicine and you know maps is really working diligently um to you know with the FDA and to approve so because they've showed the studies that it brings people through PTSD through deep depression you know through mm-hmm trauma, shock, devastation, and it's so valuable. On the nightly news, I saw a woman that they had administered uh, psilocybin to, and she had stage four cancer. And she said that um, she really had a lot of fear. You know, our our number one fear in life is dying. Mm -hmm. You know, we're afraid to die. And so she really felt her fear on the journey and she felt where she held it in her body. And she said she was able to release it and she felt more free. Now, they've done documentaries on it and it shows sometimes it can extend one's life. But even if it doesn't, it's still a person has quality, more quality of life while they're here. Mm -hmm. So, so beneficial, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it certainly has been for me. I mean, I, with every experience that I've had with you or others, it's like afterward, I think, oh my God, what if that had, what if that hadn't happened? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah. the shit that I'm able to just plow through and just yeah. demolish fal- all falsehood or yeah. unhealed elements of myself. And, yes. uh, and just to be able to see with such clarity and, and depth into my own experience and what's yeah. blocking me from my full expression. Yeah. And after every one, I'm just like, you know, I don't want to be a, promoter of these kind of things because i think it has to be the right place you know the right guide you have to be in the right place and you're right there's so many variables and just for me it's happened to be this way for the past two years but every time i have one of those experiences it's like i want to run on a rooftop and just be like everyone do mushrooms what's wrong with you You yeah because it's just like incredibly deep work oh it's you know yeah and um yeah, I just had, I had no idea. And you know, it's funny about mushrooms actually. And I want to get into kind of how you landed on that as your weapon of choice, so to speak. But um, I was writing this piece for Mind Body Green about how psychedelics and plant medicines have supported my sobriety, which is mm-hmm. totally counterintuitive to almost all models of addiction recovery. Right. Um, and that's just why it took me 22 years to venture into this world. But I was writing this piece and, um, I realized as I was writing it that, and this took me 22 years to discover that my sobriety was largely due to a mushroom journey that I went on when I was still on drugs and drinking. I mean, like drugs, drugs, heroin, crack, you know, the baddies, the ones that have no spiritual benefit, except maybe to get you to surrender your life to God eventually if you live. (laughs) If you make it through. Yeah, and it did. So they served their purpose. But but I was just trying to get drunk and I took, I used to sell mushrooms, you know, I sold weed and mushrooms in my apartment behind the Chinese theater over here on Orange, North Orange Drive. (laughs) Oh boy. And so I'd have these big, (laughs) <laughs> five gallon buckets of mushrooms that I'd buy from this guy in Oregon. And um, so I always had a lot of them. And one night me and my buddy were bored and we were getting drunk. So I just take a bunch of mushrooms, you know, yeah. no consciousness about it at all. I just wanted to escape from being me because <laughs> it was so painful being in my skin, you know? Right, right. And, um, and then 
I had a meltdown, like a little nervous breakdown uh, in that mushroom journey. I thought I was going to be laughing and being goofy and getting sore cheeks from smiling mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. But I started crying and just like basically whining to my poor friend who just wanted to party that like, I'm a drug addict, dude, I got to get sober. I can't do this. You know, I'm throwing my life away. Right. And, um, you know, and then went on and kind of hit a bottom over the next few months and eventually did get to the point where I, you know, got checked into rehab and did my thing and had a spiritual awakening there that has persisted yeah. uh, with a lot of work. But I didn't realize that that mushroom experience was the catalyst, even while I was still on drugs. Yes. So that yes. actually helped me to reframe the use of plant medicines and these sacred medicines in the context of being sober, because yeah. I don't know if I would have gotten sober had I not had that clarity and that breakthrough on that journey that night, as yeah. unintentional as it was, it was just the stark reality of my demise became so clear to me. Right. That right. Within a couple months after that, I did the unthinkable and I go to rehab. You know, I don't know if anyone's ever been to rehab, but they don't have a bar in there. There's no dealers in there. You are fucking sober and it's painful, you know, but it happened. And yeah. so I really, you know, thought about that. I was like, wow, that's really, really interesting that I went all those years without making the connection mm-hmm. that that was a huge turning point that night. So anyway, um, enough about me. Uh, they offer that though, just to expand on that. Mm-hmm. They offer that, you know, sometimes the studies show that it doesn't, it doesn't take people on uh, a journey of being an addict to go further. It, it shows quite the opposite mm. that it gives you, like you said, in your experience, clarity that you, you don't want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. You want to get clear about your life. You want to, you, you see there. They're completely meant to evolve and, and unfold in consciousness. I don't recommend doing them without a guide, you know, because I think it's great. But I've worked in, in sober living and treatment. And, and, you know, most people who are addicts, Luke, and I'm sure you can attest to this, you're a sensitive guy. Mm-hmm. You're very sensitive. Now, our sensitivity is our gift, as long as we can use it for us. But alcohol and drugs usually allow us to numb ourselves. To because being sens- a sensitive person, and I, I would say you're an HSP, a highly sensitive person, mm. and that's your gift. You know, anytime we're sensitive, it's a gift, but it can feel like a curse or a burden. You know, unless we use it for us, because you can see things in such a small, minute detail of life, and but you don't want to use it against yourself. You know, if we can have no internal negative self-talk and be sensitive, that's a gift. Mm-hmm. You know, no internal negative self-talk. And medicines really allow, allow that to happen because it gives us a different perspective and allowed you to get clarity. Now, once we have clarity, clarity equals fun. You're not, and most of us want to have fun. If life isn't fun, it isn't life. And you're no longer interested in being fucked up anymore because the medicine doesn't fuck you up. Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't take you to a place. It makes you aware, mm-hmm. makes you alert. It and makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. And there's only two ways to feel. Yeah, it's it's like, um, I think the, f- the first time I did ayahuasca, <laughs> I was thinking, I think that thought crossed my mind, man, is this is this just an escape? Not like, oh shit, I'm going to go home and drink or something. I, mean, I felt right. solid about my sobriety, but I just thought, I'm, you know, am I running away from something on this medicine? And it was just a micro thought for a second. And I thought, no, this isn't an escape. This is an inscape. <laughs> you know, you're going to go as deep into yourself 
as as possible, you right, know, and right, it's like right. it's the last thing you'd want to do, the intentional use of medicines if you're seeking to escape because the exact opposite will happen. You will be faced with those things that you're running from. Right. And I think right. that's the the nuance where in the new that's such a good point. In the new realm of yes. recovery work especially yeah. um what I've found is that I've been able to continually heal those parts of myself that caused me to feel so uncomfortable that I had to numb myself with all yeah. of those dumbing down agents, yes. those other types of drugs, right? So it's yeah. like the whole point of recovery programs and everything is to get down to the root cause and the drinking and the drugging and mm-hmm. whoring around and all the things that we do. <laughs> that's It appears to be the problem because that's the behavior that creates the most noise and drama. Right. So, you, like when I got sober, I just thought, oh my God, I got to quit these drugs. I can't pay my rent. You know, I'm losing friends. I'm 135 pounds and yellow. Um, and now I'm 185 by contrast. So, you know, I was in bad shape. And so I thought, well, I just got to get the drugs out of the way and I'll right. be an awesome person. Right. I got the drugs out of the way and I felt extremely uncomfortable for the first couple of few years because there were still those things well, in you, my subconscious that I couldn't reach. Well, you felt vulnerable didn't you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Just like, yeah, just naked to the world. Yeah. And the world was made of sandpaper. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sandpaper walls everywhere and they're closing in. Yeah. Being sober without changing Mm -hmm. and really deeply healing is extremely uncomfortable. And that's why the success rate of, you know, most, even the best programs out there aren't that great. Because if someone isn't committed and doesn't have the help to achieve that inner awakening, then you're still, it's like they say in AA, you know, they say, what do you get when you sober up a horse thief? You got a sober horse thief. Yeah. You know, getting sober doesn't make you not a horse thief. You're a horse thief because your character is fucking fucked up. Yeah. Because of the way you've been living. (laughs) You've degraded your own moral character and disconnect yourself from God and your higher self and true self. So unless that stuff's dealt with in one way or another, whether it's medicines or not, I don't think, I don't think anyone could stay sober for any considerable period of time. And if they are probably not happily, not not in a contented way, they're just like, God, I know I can't drink because it'll kill me, but life still sucks. And I lived like that for a long time. So I'm just, I have so much reverence for the experience um, that I've had with medicine and especially the work I did with you, as I said, extremely, extremely profound. I mean, just totally unexpected. I remember you must have got some from your shaman down in Peru because I remember the first time I think I looked over at you and I was just so deep in the medicine and you just knew exact songs to play and your whole you were so tapped into my experience and cookies there with me. And I, I don't know if you remember, I looked up at you and I said, man, Harry, you're a fucking wizard. <laughs> from that moment, that's how I always see you now. I was like, ooh, there's this, precocious sort of you know playful <laughs> loving benevolent wizard in there you oh. know? um so i can see how you discovered that in yourself early on but what led you to specifically work with psilocybin <clears throat> and then even in the combo of the heart opening medicines the mda or mdma and that whole mix it's I've just never experienced anything that allows a person to evolve and unfold in consciousness, to really reveal and live a healthy life and really, um, you know, move through things because we feel trauma, we feel wounds, and most people live out of their wound. 
you know? As a human being, most of the time, we magnetize to the negative. We magnetize to the wound rather than magnetize to the positive. And if we can magnetize to the negative, isn't it possible that we magnetize to the positive? What it does is it reveals. And it reveals so much about yourself, oneself, that, um, you know, because we're in avoidance usually. We're fearful or we're resistant to feel what we're feeling because we're so sensitive or to deal with something or face our shadow or turn and face our shadow. And once we turn and face it, it's like a puff of smoke usually. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not that big of a deal, but it's being able and willing to do that. The medicine really offers that. It offers such a different perspective. You know, we don't see life how it is. We see life how we are. And, right, right. And the medicine really offers you a different perspective. And it allows people, I mean, I could give so many different, you know, scenarios, but it, it allows for evolvement and unfoldment in this lifetime. And that's, what, that's all we're here for is to, to really live in our greatest self and how we move through that. And if, you know, MAPS is doing really a lot of work and I, I hope that it continues and, you know, to allow people, because therapists recommend it. You know, therapists mm-hmm. and doctors recommend it. Some do that it really helps. We've done documentaries on PTSD and how psilocybin can really move people through. I, w- I went to an event and this woman, she had returned from, she had been in Iraq and Iran and she was completely, she said her PTSD was so bad, Luke, that she wasn't functional. She couldn't function. And she did, did it three times, guided, you know, and, um, and she was fine. You know, how valuable is that for all of our veterans, mm-hmm. you know, or for anybody who has trauma, you know, and pretty much being a human being and growing up, we all have some sort of shock trauma. I don't know anyone that, that doesn't, doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes trauma is what doesn't happen. Right. You know, you right. didn't get affection or you were ignored because you're the middle child. It's some, trauma isn't always getting smacked in the face. Sometimes no. it's like you're ignored and that's your trauma. You know, yeah. it's like the lack of something, not the addition of something that shouldn't be there. Yeah. So I, I agree. And especially in anyone I've known uh, with mental health issues and addiction issues, I mean, it's like it always goes back to the trauma. Yeah. And just the, you know, all of the repercussions of the original trauma. And, and oh, yeah. as we have to hold it within ourselves and don't know how to express it and process it, it gets repressed. And then we build this suppression, repression mechanism where anything yeah. uncomfortable that comes at us, we're just like, nope, don't deal with that. Don't deal with that. Yeah. Until we're like a powder keg That's of a voice function. Yeah. Which really gets us into trouble. Mm-hmm. That's why self-help doesn't work, Luke. Because we're the problem. <laughs> mm. You know, I grew up, I was traumatized because I grew up, I was the most affectionate, got the least attention. Mm. You know, I was like, well, why, if I can be affectionate, why can't everybody else? You know, right. somebody, you know, can be affectionate. It's okay. Right. <laughs> I was traumatized by it. Right. I had to heal that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when did you, you know, we're in 2020 now. When did you first have a psilocybin experience yourself that was transformative? And then when did you start training and learning how to facilitate and take other people on journeys? Um, I studied with a guy and really, you know, 
did the medicine in a guided way. And it was so, um, I realized what was occupying the real estate in my head. Like I realized how the things that were taking me out, you know, because we have a divine mind, we have an insane mind. And my insane mind was taking me way out. And I, I noticed what was taking me away. And it was so powerful for me to, to realize, well, that's just keeping me from my greatest self. All these things that I'm preoccupied with and I'm distracted with, because we're either connected or we're distracted. And it really showed me so many things that were distracting me. And it was like, I was able to really use my internal muscularity to go, okay, I'm tracking my internal environment. I'm going to be vigilant about tracking my internal environment. I'm going to stay here. And I noticed all the things that were taking me away. And it allowed me to align, to be really single-mindedly focused and fine-tuned. So I got to calibrate myself. And it was so powerful to me. I was so taken with it um, that, that, you know, that could be the process through the experience that I was like, wow. You know, and you do feel like you want to you want to shout it on the rooftops. Every, most everybody that I that that I know of that you know has experienced some sort of it's like because you you it's liberating. I mean, to be free inside of love, there's freedom. To be inside of love and to be free to free to be ourselves and free to be unique and free to just feel like you have freedom. We forget how much freedom we have, but it's just. It's un, you know, there aren't words to express how that feeling is, and people, most people want to yell it from the rooftops. But yeah, yeah it's right? also it's just, like you, you know, it's like when you when you feel as though you <clears throat> stumbled across such a huge key in the lock that we face in mm-hmm. our stuckness as yeah. a race. You know, you you then you start see, you see your trauma, and then you walk down the street and you just see everyone's trauma being projected in one way or another, right? And um, you know how to undo it. You know? Yeah. So it's like, I'm just like, God, everyone needs to do this. Let's put ayahuasca in the Washington, D.C. water <laughs> supply. Like, fuck this, man. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. It's a really good idea. <laughs> really good idea. Anyone out there, I wish these little Antifa terrorists would do something useful like that <laughs> instead of tearing down a Starbucks or whatever. Um, so how long ago was that when you had those first experiences and started... Looking at this, I want to get a little scope okay. of time. So um, when I had an epiphany, I changed my life 31 years ago. So I became a healer. Wow. Mm-hmm. Damn, man. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah, I'm, I'm only 27. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For those watching on video, he's 65 and he looks about 45. Looks like I have a couple years on him at 50. Um, okay, so... What have you seen change in the world of psilocybin and or plant medicines in terms of uh, popularity, public acceptance, uh, you know, the potential legality now it's starting, you know, psilocybin's legal in Oakland and Santa Cruz and, and uh, Mexico. Colorado. And in Colorado, right, right. So, you know, there's places where people can go have these experiences without having to do some weird underground illegal drug, quote, end quote, um, experience. What was it like in the beginning versus what it's like now? Because other than going to Grateful Dead shows and taking acid and mushrooms, it, I'd never had any conception that right. they could be used for anything other than that. Right. You know, this is in the early 90s. 
And I'm sure there were kind of little micro plant medicine communities and healers and shaman around uh, in this country, but I certainly wasn't meeting them. It's only been really past four or five years. I'm seeing like, God, almost everyone I know has had an experience or continues to have experiences is part of a prayer group or a medicine group. And, right, you know, it's just kind of, it's becoming ubiquitous, which I think is so healthy uh, for us as a species. I really just think it might be our only hope, honestly. I really believe that. I agree. I agree. So what was it like in the beginning? I mean, how did you guys communicate when a ceremony was, was it, were you more paranoid about it being illegal? Cause now it's kind of no. like mushrooms aren't really a big deal to a lot of people. Um, no, I, uh, there wasn't any fear that I experienced. There was, you know, and it was a large group. It was, and it was so beautiful. I mean, the, the music was so amazing and the shaman was amazing, you know, it was just, um, everybody was so happy. And it's, it's like taking a happy pill or, you know, it's like tuning in to happiness or tuning into your own joy. You know, joy is innate within us and we're never separate from it. It's always there. It felt so good. It just felt like a coming together. And you, when, you, when, when your heart opens like that, you realize, wow, love is real. Anything else we're experiencing outside of love, we're hallucinating. You know, love is real. <laughs> Like, this is, this is amazing. This is beautiful. You know, let's share this with the world. What if, what if the world leaders could do, you know, plant medicine so that, you know, we're acting like high school students in our debates and mm-hmm. politically at the moment. It's, it's, uh, it, it's shocking that we have supremacy in the world and this is how people are behaving, you know? Mm-hmm. So to do something like this, is so beneficial. And, and the first time I did it was, it was just like, wow, you know, amazing. Well, I, I, I mean, I did acid in seventies, you know, eighties, mm-hmm. just a brief period of doing it, but you, it, it, it just in, opens your mind so much. You know, that's why say Jimi Hendrix was Jimi Hendrix. He would play for like five or six hours and he would put tabs of acid underneath his, his bandana and as he began to sweat, he would sweat and the acid would roll down his, and he would just lick it and keep going <laughs> <laughs> and keep playing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anything that opens our mind and opens our heart is going to be beneficial for us. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. As someone who's not only deeply committed to managing my health, but also my mood and sense of well-being, I really appreciate products that allow me to get some of the benefits of a traditional product without the detriments inherent to that. What I'm talking about is something like a decaf coffee, right? I get to enjoy the coffee experience without getting too hyped up on the caffeine. Or every once in a while, smoking a CBD joint without THC, you know, no psychoactive effect or at least no discernible one. But what no one's really been able to crack until now is the art of cocktail drinking sans alcohol. And that's what brings me to our sponsor, Kin Euphorics, an amazing company. What I love about these drinks is that not only are they devoid of alcohol, which is great for me because I have a zero tolerance policy with alcohol in my life at this point, but they have the taste and feel of an alcoholic beverage, a cocktail. Not only that, they're loaded with adaptogenic herbs and medicinal mushrooms, as well as nootropics that support relaxation or cognitive function 
like memory, clarity, creativity. So these are incredible drinks to support your mood, especially in social functions. And that's when I first discovered Ken Euphorics. It was a couple years ago at a big event called Summit in downtown Los Angeles. They had this whole bar set up and it looked like a normal bar where everyone's getting hammered. And uh, I walked up, probably, you know, asked for a club soda or something like that. And they're like, no, our drinks don't have alcohol. And I was immediately sold. Fast forward a couple of years and they came into my awareness again. So if you're looking for a great way to spend a dry January or someone that just wants to curb your alcohol drinking or you're someone like me who just doesn't care for the alcohol experience, I would highly recommend Ken Euphorics. And you can find them here. Go to kineuphorics.com slash Luke. That's K-I-N-E-U-P-H. O-R-I-C-S, kineuphorics.com slash Luke. And of course, we've worked out a special deal for the Lifestylist Podcast listeners. You're going to get 15% off by simply going to that link, kineuphorics.com slash Luke. Here's to a sober new year. And now back to the interview. You know, it's really interesting on that note. It's in medicine journeys, I often feel like that's as sober as you can be. Yes. Follow me here, right? Yeah, it's like completely. You become less encumbered by your personality. Absolutely. absolutely. The by ego, anything. analytical mind, and you become Thank actually you. what you are at the core, which is the most sober. I mean, if I think of myself on like no drink or drug one day, okay, I'm sober today. And I'm thinking neurotically and obsessively and reacting from patterns developed by trauma and PTSD and all the shit. I'm actually insane. Yeah. Even though technically my blood work would show I'm sober. Right. Go take medicine and all that shit gets healed and pushed healed. aside and I'm merging with God and wow, the God a- within me. Like that's as sober as you can get. Yeah. But I think the distinction I'd like to get some feedback from you on ways to do this, but because you're taking medicine and the veils being lifted and you're having a higher degree of truth revealed, Mm -hmm. essentially like the clouds are just being moved away so the sun can shine. But then the next day you're not on the medicine. You got to go to work. You're still getting a divorce. You're doing whatever you're doing. And so those clouds come back and seem to obscure the light of God or realization from us again. And it seems what has helped me not just have a peak experience and be like, wow, that was cool. I had some realizations. I don't know what they are, what to do with them, but I've been pretty mindful about, you know, communicating the things I learned with, you know, Lalis and my fiance or friends and making sure I verbalize it or write it down yeah, and then really do my best to integrate that. Or if I see a pattern reemerging in my waking non-medicine life, mm-hmm. I can go, oh, ding, ding. Remember, Luke? Yeah. This yeah. is what you hit up against. Don't run from it now right? because right. you already faced it. right? You have right. the courage to face it. Yeah. And it's a boogeyman, like you said. It's, right. It just disappears the moment you see it, these falsehoods and things. Yeah. Uh, what are ways that you yourself concrete ways that you've learned to integrate the realizations and lessons and how do you work with integration uh, on people that you hold ceremony for? Well, integration is, is highly important. You know, 
today's revelation can be tomorrow's ego trip, you know, and you, it's, it's very important. You know, integration is so important. The day after you may feel a little bit like, oh, I'm exhausted. I'm just need to, and you need to rest. You just need to rest and just let things integrate. You know, I don't, I think we don't integrate and process enough in, in our lives, you know, yeah. to, to reflect and go. And then it, it's a practice of being present. You know, the first, first step is being present, really being vigilant about tracking our internal environment. And like you said, oh, okay, I ran up against a hard edge. Okay, I remember that. I remember that. And, you know, you know what to do you, because life is all choice. We're choosing every moment. So the days afterwards are for integration, highly important. And it's, it's having a spiritual practice of really practicing single-minded focus. Meditation is practicing single-minded focus to connect. And, you know, it's called singularity. If we can do everything that we do with absolute, total, and complete focus, because the people in the world, if you're a ball player, it doesn't matter, football, basketball, baseball, golf, tennis, you know, you got to keep your eye on the ball. It's all about focus. So the integration is highly important. You may have, listen, it doesn't matter if we know everything, Luke. We can know everything, you know? It's, can we do it? Can we, can we do it? You know, it's like, okay, our inner being, even when we check in, our inner being knows everything. The second step is, can we do it? Will we make good choices for ourselves? Do we have an unconscious commitment to sabotage ourselves because it keeps us from our greatest self? We can have the revelation, we can have the epiphany, but integration is very important. The days afterward, the rest, you know, mm-hmm. very, yeah. very, very, <clears throat> very important. Because otherwise it becomes just sort of a... Um, it gets minimized to an intellectual aha moment, or as you said, something yeah. the ego can seize on and be like, check out the revelation I had about myself. I'm so insightful. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know, the ego yeah. will grab anything, oh, anything, any crumbs it can get and build a structure out of it. Yeah. But I think the realizations, um, <laughs> they lack the context and um, potential for change unless you really take them and embody them and put them to work. And I, I think because I had been doing that without medicines for so long, yeah. just because I didn't want to suffer anymore, not because I'm a great guy or anything, but uh, <laughs> eventually the non-suffering helped me be a better guy. Yeah. <clears throat> but with the medicines, it was just, I mean, those every little nugget, those morsels of truth and realization and insight yeah. into the psyche and spirit and all those things, it's like, I can't wait to go back into my life yeah. and see what my life looks like with yeah. those lessons yeah. applied <clears throat> rather than just being an intellectual construct or a spiritual yeah. story you can brag about because you're yeah. so deep or some shit, you know? Yeah. I call it debugging and upgrading the human operating system mm. because we're like computers. So if we have stories that we're telling us ourselves that don't serve us, aren't we playing on a loop? If we delete that, shift our focus, then our human operating system can operate more efficiently. You know, if we have apps running that are like belief systems that don't serve us, you know, um, the number one textbook thing for us as human beings is who we are is not enough. If we have that app playing, who I am is not enough. Oh, I'll never be able to do that. Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I don't fit in. You know, all those, it's like an app. All these apps, if you, you know, unload that app and you file it away, then your human operating system can operate more efficiently. You know, our internal, our inner being would not tell us anything negative about ourselves. 
So when we can really be vigilant and track and be present and we notice we're, we're living our greatest self and it's, it's important, it doesn't matter if we know it, if we can't develop that internal attitudinal muscularity to really embody it and be it, you know, because one of the most powerful questions that we can ask ourselves is, how am I being? How am I being in this moment? How am I being? You know, how am I being when my lover stands in front of me? How am I being when my boss stands in front of me? When my children stand in front of me? You know, to be authentic, to be vulnerable. Like for you earlier was such an important point, you know, to be vulnerable. What, what are we doing if we're not being vulnerable? We must be vulnerable because what are we doing? We're wearing a mask or putting up a shield. You know, Rumi, the great poet said, you know, we're not here to seek love. We're not here to seek love. We're here to find all the barriers to love mm. and let them down. We're here to mm-hmm. be love, you know, just, and, and so we must be able to develop that internal attitudinal muscularity to really be it. We can have a revelation and then it, we must embody it. We must be it. We're human beings. We get to be it. Speaking of body, um, for whatever reason, we didn't do a lot of body work during uh, the sessions I did with you. But I know that that's the somatic experience and body sure. work, whether you're working with medicines or the people that you choose to or in locations where you're not using medicines, uh, you'll work with people and do a lot of the healing arts. Mm-hmm. And it has to do with that oscillator thing you yes. have. I want to talk about that. Okay, You have done that on me. It's freaking <laughs> addictive as hell. Okay, um, But how, you know, how do these... How do these cobwebs and subconscious wounds and stuck patterns and things, how do do they live in our body? And what are the ways you use energetically or even physically to help move those things out of our tissues and, you know, out of that, um, out of the matter that we start to think we are as that matter becomes so dense as we get burdened Mm -hmm. by these experiences and beliefs and all the falsehood. And then your spirit starts to open up, but you still have this dense body that's still wanting to hold on because the nervous system is used to being in a certain response to protect itself. And just because your mind and spirit has become liberated, that doesn't mean the body's necessarily going to be along for the ride. Correct. Is that kind of roughly it? Yeah. So when did you start putting that piece into practice and what are some of the ways you've seen it? unlock someone's full potential oh in so many different ways i think that's the first way i started because i went to massage school and i and then i I didn't know that yeah i went to massage school and um then i when i graduated i went and got a job with a chiropractor at beverly and robertson here in la oh wow yeah and i worked with a woman named susan jeffers who wrote a book called feel the fear and do it anyway so oh yeah yeah yeah. i've heard of that book yeah yeah it's simple it's great it's so it's so good but um, we record things from our life on a cellular level that get in, it, get encapsulated in our bodies. But it's mind-body awareness because if it's in our body, it's in our mind. If it's in our mind, it's in our body. Mm. So, I mean, they've come out with all these articles lately on cognitive therapy. Cognitive therapy is great, but it only takes us so far. We must get in the body. Yeah? So, um, this amazing man made me, Norman, he made me a, custom made me a, it's called a North Field Magnetic Oscillator. So it's a vibration and it has magnets in it. So it's energy medicine, which we forget about energy medicine. 
right? And um, so I oscillate the body because what it does is the best way to explain it is it penetrates all the way to your electrons. So it goes in, it breaks up and shatters any heavy, dense energy, and it balances the cells to zero point. So we're, we're cleaning on a soul, on a cellular level. Mm-hmm. And what I do, what I call is, I call it cellular erasing. So I'm erasing shock, trauma, devastation on a cellular level out of the body because we have our heritage, our lineage that we've passed down. You know, maybe our grandfather was abusive and then our father was abusive and then we become abusive unless we become a transitional character to stop the buck here, right? Mm -hmm. So the body's so important to really find and get in there. We live in a heavy, dense universe. We live in a fear-based universe. You know, just watch the news. Yeah. So we really get to notice where we're addicted, Luke, to heavy, dense energy. We, you know, the, the insane mind, the ego tells us, well, if I can suffer, oh, it gives me some sort of validity as a human being because it's like, it's like wrapping yourself in a warm blanket because it's familiar. And if you can suffer, that's familiar, right? It's a different, it's a different, and it's, it's okay to not be okay, but it's certainly okay to be okay to go, okay, I can choose something different. I can choose peace in this moment. I can choose peace right here, right now. I don't have to go to all that. But sometimes we have an unconscious commitment to suffer. We're suffering addicts sometimes. Yeah. Just to suffer. Yeah. You know, and then we're sensation addicts. Or, you know, mm-hmm. well, our addict is an addict. Our issues have issues. <laughs> and then <we're laughs> My addictions have sub-addictions. <laughs> it's like the, the addictive iPhone, you know, it's like sometimes I think oh, I just got to be on Instagram less. And I realize like, what about the 10 other apps you're addicted to also? You know, it's like, no, the whole phone just has to go. Yeah. A friend of mine texted me today, oddly enough, on, um, we were on a, telegram right. conversation a former guest on the show who i guess will remain anonymous but brilliant woman and she sent me a voice message she said you know what luke she heard this interview i did with uh janice barcello about birth trauma mm-hmm. really super triggering wow. hardcore reality check of an episode and at the end of it we were talking about um cell phones for some reason and she's like i don't have a smartphone are you kidding me i don't use that stuff you know, mm. rot your mind or whatever she said. But this woman texts me. She's like, after that interview, I really think I'm just going to get an old school flip phone. I'm done. Like I'm just opting out of this. Yeah. You know, because of all the wormholes of obsession, I'm assuming for me, that's what it is. Yeah. It's like, if I could just use it as a utility and have the discipline to only use it for that, but it becomes this dopamine oh, pinging for sure addiction you know and so i guess that's the fun thing about life is hopefully as you progress your addictive tendencies tend to gravitate towards things that are less destructive you know right there's times in my life i was addicted to stuff that could kill you in one try you know and did it every day um (laughs) at least with the phone it's just you know it's a slow death of numbing you out of consciousness but i think uh you know these experiences that we have as you said they really do get stuck in our body and that was really indicative of working with you. Um, as you'll recall, both times I've sat with you, three quarters way through the experience, my body just starts involuntarily shaking, especially my hips. And it's just this undulating thing. And I could tense my body and stop it. So it's not, it's not so involuntary that 
I couldn't make it stop, but I don't want to make it stop because it's what the body wants to do. And I found those two experiences to be almost uniform and also uh, something that I've never experienced before. And I've done Kundalini yoga for eight years. I mean, like I've had a lot of far out, just totally natural, 100% sober experiences, just using breath and moving the energy in my body uh, and the mantra and all of that. But that shit was on another level. And I don't know if I've ever really asked you about it. I just kind of, you know, went through it and then parted ways and whatever. But what did you sense was going on in me where the body wanted to do that? And is that common when you do work with people that their body has this spontaneous, seemingly uh, autonomous experience? Well, you had it both times. Um, And it's my theory that the medicine works with your plasma. It works with allowing you to shed heavy dense vibration it allows you to raise your vibration so it's it's like you're fitting into new skin so sometimes you just have to shake mm. and shake into it you know it's like it's like just fit into your new skin yeah because from the place that we live from internally you're living from a a more expanded place you know and that's what we want to do is live And so the shaking is just, you're just like, okay, that space internally is just expanding so that you can live from a more expanded place. Mm. That's my theory, Mm -hmm. Luke. Is is this, uh, that type of response, something that is common in your experience? No, uh, no, it's not. It doesn't, I mean, I haven't, it hasn't happened to a lot of people. You're Mm. unique. Mm. For sure you're unique. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) We know that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was... Both times were really incredible. It, but, it's a funny feeling because it's it's a little bit unsettling. Right. As I sit here and kind of mimic it to get the memory, it's a little unsettling, but at the same time, it just feels like it needs to be done. Yeah. And to stop it would be like, this isn't right. Like this, well, it needs to, whatever's happening here needs to happen. I'm just going to let it. Well, you're just hooking into a rhythm, right? You're just hooking mm-hmm. into an internal flow, you mm-hmm. know, and you, you can just open up to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, why and when did the uh, heart opener of the sassafras or MDA or uh, people, some people use MDMA and these kind of things in conjunction with mushrooms as like a preliminary first dose of medicine, you have this sort of heart opening emotional availability, I guess one mm-hmm. could say. Uh, and then into more of the deeply psychedelic and quantum travel of the mushrooms, when did you discover that that was a useful combination? And is that something that's widespread? Are many people doing that? It's widespread. I think uh, my teacher, uh, that was the combination because MDA is sassafras. It's a resin from the tree, you know, and it's infused, but it's a heart opener. It opens the heart. MDMA was developed by psychiatrists to bring people out of deep depressions. So, and it works. It's a heart opener. And it gives a platform and foundation for the psilocybin to stand on. And then it's, you're really having a transcendent experience, Mm -hmm. um, which is beautiful. And then the mushrooms have a protein that blend with your neurons in your brain. So you're able to create new pathways and you're able to create new channels and pathways through your being. Because most of us are top heavy. We live from the chin up, lost in thought. Our mind is a beautiful thing. It's an electrical current. 
But if we stay solely there, we feel separateness. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's dropping into our heart and, and feeling love. Love is maximal the moment that we radiate love and we feel oneness. You know, it's, it's, we, we went through 2012, the Mayan calendar, that people thought, oh, we're going to have uh, an experience here. You know, there's something, it's the end of the world. Yes. It's the end of the world as we know it because we were having a planetary alignment that hadn't happened in the last 26,000 years. So we were having a moment that was creating a portal for us as humanity to step through. Now, the portal was only, there was only room for one person. It was a doorway, stargate, if you will, to step through. So we either have to line up to go through it and march through it or remember that we're all one and take a step for humanity. To, to go through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what do you see for the future of, um, you were mentioning maps a couple of times, but the future of more widespread acceptance and availability of these type of experiences, specifically with mushrooms or something like MDA. It seems like, you know, you have a few cities and states around that are starting to decriminalize, but there seems to be a lot of, clinicians and i don't think they have it on their website but not healers or shaman but like psychiatrists psychologists therapists etc that are still kind of using mdma on the download a lot of people are using ketamine now which is totally legal medically and also psilocybin so it it seems that i don't know if there's a resurgence or if all the underground people just kind of went ah it's actually pretty safe to be out doing this work but i mean it seems in the medical and psychiatric community, the mental health industry, I guess you could say, um, is really starting to embrace this or at least becoming more public about it. Do you foresee this just becoming the norm? Well, there certainly is a, a movement towards it. And it's, it's, you know, it, it's appearing on the ballots of, to, to be voted on. And MAPS is doing amazing work. Tim Ferriss raised a $10 million to assist. And the FDA has approved for MAPS to have clinical trials of people with PTSD and come and, you know, and it's working. It's really working. Yes. I mean, my, my hope, my wish is that it's widespread, that that these kinds of really holistic treatments are uh, available for people who really are stuck, you know, who are really wounded. And, you know, I had, I did a, as a suggestion, I watched hoarders one day as a suggestion. And if you watch hoarders, those people are wounded emotionally, you know, and it, it really shows in our culture and our society, how many people are wounded, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I work with people with medicine and, and I don't need any medicine to really work, you know, but I had a guy come and he's Eastern Indian and, you know, he had an arranged marriage and there's so many things, you know, he, he didn't feel accepted is abused by his father He's never been able to work through that, you know? These things must be addressed so that we can live, we can live health, healthy and, you know, because wound, wounded people wound people, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And the buck's got to stop here. Mm-hmm. It's got to stop, you know? Um, I think if, if Biden and Trump could, could have a medicine journey, they wouldn't speak to each other the way they speak to each other. You know, it wouldn't be like a high school. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's like, it, it feels like it's below high school, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, to tell an 
on a presidential level to say, shut up, man. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's like, I mean, let's gain some. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Funny stuff, man. It is, it's the theater of our world right now. We're seeing how it's play, playing out it's on the world stage. We're coming see- to a pinnacle, you know, the yeah. unconsciousness is just coming so, so well, much seeing, to the surface. We're seeing great contrast. We're seeing mm-hmm. great contrast in the world where we're either moving into deep fear and doubt. Look at the people that are still quarantining and won't go out. And, you know, I mean, if we vibe high, we can repel bacteria and viruses. You know, mm-hmm. if we vibe high, but because it creates a, a field around us. Mm-hmm. We're, we're all, energy's everything. Everything's energy. I mean, Nikola Tesla said, if you want to understand the universe, pay attention to vibration, to frequency, to energy. You know, we learned about Florence Nightingale, who was the nurse in school, in high school. Do you remember Florence Nightingale? I, don't, I remember the name, but I don't, I don't got the so, story. So she took care of all the soldiers that had typhoid fever mm. because everybody was afraid to take care of them because they thought they'd get typhoid fever and die, right? She whistled a happy tune and took care of all the soldiers and she was fine. It's amazing what we repel when we vibe high. Mm-hmm. You know, there are masters around the earth that can drink rat poison and they're fine. You know, I don't, right. rec- I don't recommend we drink rat poison today. That's like the story, you know, Ram Dass's guru, Neem Karoli Baba, uh, you know, he was curious about this, forget what he called it, God juice or something about their liquid LSD. They're always yeah. dosing LSD. And so he talked him into eventually trying it. He took some and nothing happened. Right. And they thought, we must have, we didn't give him enough or it was a bad batch or something. So they went again and gave him a big hero's dose. And again, no state change at all because he's already there. Yeah, he's already there. You know, so it's, uh, it's interesting to think about the fact that these medicines help us access something and it seems otherworldly, but it really is just how we innately are. Yeah. It's just that it's obscured in order for us to come into the world. I mean, you can't like, be a regular person and be on medicine every day and operate in the world. It doesn't, you can't function in 3d. I don't think effectively if you're in that heavy experience, but we have these opportunities to lift the veil, get purview into other, you know, levels mm-hmm. of truth and insight, and then come back in the 3d body and go enact that vision or, right. or take those steps that we've been shown. But I think it is um, really interesting how certain beings do become immune to illnesses and even a big dose of LSD yeah. just through the power of consciousness. We use such a small portion of what we're capable of, you know? And the only reason to do the medicine is to achieve a state of beingness and then you don't, you don't need the medicine because it is accessing a state of beingness mm-hmm. and, and a beautiful, you know, a beautiful one just to reveal things to us so that we're able to live happy, joyous, and free. We came here to live in joy, to enjoy our lives. We didn't come here to suffer. You know, we came here to enjoy our lives. So how, how do we do that? How do we really access that? Yeah, I've, I find your uh, kind of hard line on making the choice about how you're going to perceive a, perceive a situation or how you're going to react to it or not. Um, a lot of people talk about that, but it's much more easier said and understood than done. And I've True. been around you enough to see, especially one situation where at your house and there was um, a little bit of a conflict between you and someone else. Actually, not between you. Someone was having a conflict within themselves. 
And I was watching that dynamic kind of going like, oh man, is Harry going to be all fucked up? You know, this got a little awkward and tense there. And I was like, are you okay here? You're like, what? Yeah, took care of it. I'm not going to be unhappy. Are you kidding me? You know, and I was like, is he kidding? I'm like, oh no, this dude's for real. He really just decided, I don't, I don't do drama. Hmm. I'm love. I love, you know, I love the conflict. I love the person that was manifesting the conflict and love myself enough to not go down that road and become all neurotic about some little ultimately trivial exchange, you Mm, know? And I thought, wow, that's really cool. Whoever has the most dominant vibration will win. You know, we get, listen, if we're living vertically and we're living in what I call the three P's, positivity, possibility, potentiality, right? We're living in, in, we're living in the quantum field. We're living in the mind of God. Yeah. When we're living, drama does not exist in, in that state. When we live in our divine mind, drama does not exist. You can't. We're, that's why it's so important to see through the illusion. That's all we came here. This is a schoolyard. Planet Earth, it's a schoolyard. It's the game of life. And it's all how we play it. So when we're clear, yeah, drama doesn't exist. It's like, okay, it's happening. All right. You know, <laughs> I'm seeing through the illusion. It's not. You know, it, it's drama. Now, the illusion can feel as powerful in its effect as is the truth that love is real if you let it pull you in. You see, here's how I just, I, I like to give a visual because in our divine mind, there's one compartment, Luke. You know, we're either in our flow state, in the flow of love, or we're not. Now, when we're in, we can't be in our divine mind and our insane mind at the same time. So when we're in our divine mind, there's firewalls that go up. We're just like computers. So there's firewalls you know, that go up. So the insane mind is insidious. It's cunning. It's tireless. It has attack thoughts. It gains evidence. It's not here just to inconvenience us. It wants us to suffer. So it's a good gauge that if we're suffering, our insane mind is engaged. So there's firewalls that go up when we're in our divine mind, but we have free will. So we can venture over there if we want to, yeah, to be insane, to be in the drama. And a lot of us are addicted to the drama, Luke. And with couples, I work with a lot of couples. And couples get addicted to being connected in the drama rather than connected into love. It's very simple, but it plays out in epic, complicated ways. You know? <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> it's like the War of the Roses sometimes, know. you know? But drama doesn't exist if you're, if you're really being in the world. Drama doesn't exist. It's like, okay, it's happening. Where do I put my focus? Mm-hmm. Does well, that resonate? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I you know, again, like I I get the concept and have made some headway there, but it's I think it's interesting when when I observe someone in a situation in which I would picture myself probably caving to the drama and feeling at least if nothing else, if not attacking, feeling a sense of guilt or shoulda, coulda, woulda, you know, did I fuck this up? Was it my mm-hmm. fault? Like I would probably more go inward with the attack mm-hmm. than I would generally uh, be on the attack for the other. But um, it was instrumental, you know, to see that little situation. And just, it was a great reminder of embodiment, you know, of actually not just saying those words, but having the practice to yeah. be able to do it. Well, if we're not walking our talk, what are we doing? You know, we must develop that internal attitudinal muscularity to stay to mm-hmm. stay and to walk our talk mm-hmm. that's otherwise yeah yeah otherwise 
why are you in a body? What are you doing here? <laughs> One thing I'm curious about, you know, we uh, participated in a Bufo Alvarius toad poison smoking DMT uh, ceremony together as participants. And I don't want to even get into explaining mine because it's beyond explanation. Words could just wouldn't do it justice. But I just remember I laid down mm -hmm. and all this crazy shit happened. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I could have moved, but I did not want to move. I mean, I was just floored by the intensity of that situation. And then when your turn came, you were doing like the wave. You were on the ground, just head to toe. Just your body was just moving in this ecstatic wave for like 15 minutes. And I remember sitting there over you, you know, holding space, praying. And I just thought, oh, what is going on inside him right now? Like, what was, what was that experience like for you? Because I never did ask you. It was pretty extraordinary. I, I felt like I, there was just a wave of energy inside of me and I felt like my hands went down to the earth and I felt like I was just becoming one with mother earth and just the ecstasy that I was feeling um was making love to <laughs> the universe <laughs> oh man it was it was just it was really blissful for me yeah just becoming one with everything and that oneness it just felt like Everything was like a wave and I was feeling like making love to the universe. It was pretty extraordinary. Wow. It's, I know it's probably not an easy thing to, no, I, you know, to put into words. Yeah, but, it's, it's not. But, you know, since I was there and I never got the chance to, to ask you that. But <laughs> also I think it's um, indicative of the fact that there's been a lot of clearing done. Yes. Through all of the... <laughs> work you've done in service and all the work you've done in service to yourself. So uh, a lot of accounts that I hear about DMT experiences, they're kind of too intense for people and people get kind right. of blown out and it was just right. like, they thought they were dead and you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but mine was, was beautiful, but there was also, yeah. there was some pretty deep grief and yeah. things that came up that I were like a deep, deep well I had never had access to um, past life mm -hmm. pain and, celebrating and mourning deaths that I'd had before and really deep stuff. But there's no sense of resistance because I know when I'm getting into the gold like that, it's like, yeah. oh yeah, here we go. This is the real shit. Yeah. This isn't like, yeah. maybe I'll quit biting my fingernails. No, this is like pff, karmic shifts um, yeah. and chains broken. But a lot of people have that resistance. I think perhaps they come into a situation like that cold with a really powerful medicine like that. And a lot of the heavy lifting hasn't been done right, in right. the 3D realm, yeah. you know, just over the years. And it's just like, bah, too much. So I sensed watching you, I was like, wow, he's really clear. There's no resistance to the intensity of the experience. You know, there was just, so yeah, I just wanted to reflect that to you and just give you some appreciation for, oh. you know, having me bear witness to a beautiful surrender moment. Oh, thank you, Luke. And a really a meaningful clearing. Mm. Yeah. Well, here's what means the most to me is, you know, people talk about living in 3D and 5D and 7D and 11D and big D and little D and all Ds. You know, we're multidimensional beings. We're multidimensional beings. We must be able to, you know, to be fully expressed in this dimension, to be fully activated, to live in all dimensions. Yeah. And to be able to access, you know, some people live in the, 
ethers and I work with lots of fairies. Fairies are amazing. They sprinkle stardust in people's lives. They're like Tinkerbell, right? But fairies get to be really grounded. You know, we all get to be grounded. Psychics are really, I work with famous psychics and they can fly all over the place. They are gifted and they have information. They can, you know, gather information. But then it's like, okay, how can I live my life? You know, mm-hmm. you know, we came here to enjoy our lives. We came here to live fully embodied, fully expressed, you know, and it's important and beneficial for me to be able to access all dimensions and be a multidimensional being like we are. We're multidimensional beings and we get to live it here. That's why the plant medicine is so good and so valuable and to help people clean and clear. That's my whole thing every morning that I have a spiritual practice to get clean, get clear and get connected. And then we can walk through life. Then we can walk through life, accessing all of us. But if we live from the chin up, we're, we're a top heavy, you know? And the mind is such a beautiful thing, but we can't just use just our mind. We, have, we get to incorporate our heart, connect, you know, and really use that sacral chakra is balance, yin and yang energy, you know, balance of yin and yang. And then root chakra, it's our sexuality, sensuality, you know, creativity. And giving ourselves a platform and a foundation in this dimension on planet earth to really be able to function at our highest level. That's what's meaningful. That's what means the most to me is how do we really live here and really be function in this and, and be okay. We should, we get to allow somebody to stand in front of us and have a strong emotion and not make it mean anything. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's like witnessing. Witnessing is powerful in our lives. You know, to be able to just witness doesn't mean anything, has nothing to do with us unless we take it on. But that's what happens because we're empaths usually, you know, I know you're an empath. I've had to work on that a lot. That codependency piece slips in there too, you know, from different childhood experiences where I found it difficult to maintain my emotional autonomy. Yeah. And so... yeah. If someone that I care about or I'm close to is feeling strong emotions of any type, it's like they grab a hold of me and I'm enveloped in that experience with them without being able to witness it like I am with my own experience on a good day. Right. You know, so that's a really good key point there and that distinction of also witnessing other in their experience and allowing them to have that. Yeah. And not feeling obligated to make it yours. Yeah. It's one of the most powerful things we can do. Even what we're, you know, to, to be able to just stay to the, the center of the universe is here. We're here. We're not out here. This is searching for ourselves where we're not. So when we can stay here, we can track our internal environment. Then we can read our external environment, but we stay here. It's uh, most of us that are, are empaths or we're clairsentient. You know, we run our energy through another person and back to us or through the universe and back to us. And then we're toxic. And then we don't, we're like, ugh. And then we don't understand what's going on. We must keep our energy here. Track our internal environment. Stay here. And then read our external. But witness. Don't take it on. Look, a lot of people come to me. They're very unhappy, Luke, about the state of the affairs of the world. And rightly so. We're the Titanic headed for the iceberg if we don't turn it around. Let's be real. Yeah? but. The thing is, is we must live in the world rather than of the world. If we're feeling bad, you know, we have two eyes that look outward. We have two hands that look outward. Most of we're living out here, but we're here. We can live in the world. Look, we must make the best of what 
the situation that we have at hand. We, we can live in the world. There's always been things in the world that are going on. There's always been chaos. There always will be. We live in a world of duality. So we get to stay here and stay really anchored. And our practice gets to be like, stay present, stay connected, stay here, rather than run our energy through someone else and back to us. Just witness. And we can witness. Now, when we vibe high, when we radiate and broadcast love, because we're the most powerful thing in the universe, when we radiate love, it's maximal. So we get to go in and then go out. Yeah. And when we stay here, we're, we're the, we affect the world the most. We're the most effectual to be able to just radiate and broadcast no matter what life offers or who stands in front of us, that we can just stay. It's the place that we get to live that, and, and, and be okay because then we're affecting things. You know? Yes. Yes, sir, I do. <laughs> you do. You do it, yeah. Luke. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, man, I think... Our Bel Campo meal is here. Okay. <laughs> I could go on and on as listeners know for my four hour well, shows. But I think that's actually a really sweet spot to end on. Yeah. Is that embodiment and just recognizing each of our own power. And it sounds yeah. cliche, but it really is the way it works. And that level of consciousness of love is inherently so much more powerful than that of grief and shame yeah. and anguish and all those things that we experience on the lower levels, yeah. you know, it just really does always trump the lower levels of consciousness when mm-hmm. we can radiate that within yeah. ourselves. And that's when you, you know, you walk into a room and there was supposed to be drama and you walk in and you, you're on a good day and you're embodying that. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden everything gets diffused that's right. and you're just like, Whoa, how did that happen? Do you remember Mr. Magoo? Just one quick story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you remember Mr. Magoo? Yeah, yeah. So he was blind, Mr. Magoo. If those of you who don't remember Mr. Yeah. Magoo, but Mr. Magoo I'm was probably blind. Just old enough to remember Mr. Yeah, Magoo. Yeah, you're probably just old enough. And mm-hmm. so Mr. Magoo was this wonderful cartoon character, and he was blind, and he went through life like this, you know, feeling like this. And the bad guys showed up in the black cars and the black suits, and they were coming after him. And and he, he just, he couldn't see. So he just, he had such a vibration that he just put his arms around them and incorporated them in his vibration. And soon enough, they forgot all about what they were doing to come and get him. Mm. And he led them on his journey. Right. <laughs> That's why I say, whoever has the most dominant vibration will win. Yeah. And so often we let people with the dark, you know, the lowest common denominator in the room dominate it because we're we magnetized to negativity rather than magnetized to the positive mm-hmm. it's a, it's a great it, it, it when we really can learn it it's so beautiful to utilize it in life yeah it's a superpower dude it's a super it's one of the you know confidence is one of the secrets to life and i always say you know the secret to life feel good feel good. only two ways to feel good and gooder so feel good and the universe knows what to do if universe knows what to do Mm -hmm. if you feel bad you're repelling it's just repelling so get get ourselves in a place of feeling good (laughs) beautiful (laughs) thank you luke thank you thank you you've really touched my life and i'm so happy to call you a friend and thank you trusted advisor and uh yeah really glad we made the opportunity to do this and i can't wait to continue the journey with you yes you know it's inspiring and always super fun super fun and you know if we're not having fun why are we doing it (laughs) if life isn't fun it isn't life right yeah yeah for sure we have fun 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, before we close out, I got one last question for you. Uh, who have been three <clears throat> teachers or teachings that have influenced your life and your work? The Course in Miracles it has been really influential in my life. I, I started it in the 80s and I practiced it, you know, the whole time. It's been so beneficial to me. Amazing. Um, I'm, uh, I mean, I've studied with Eastern, with yogis, you know, and Eastern philosophy, I really, and, but there's been so many teachings that are so beneficial. I studied shamanism, Sufism, Buddhism, you know, I studied so many different things, you know, the Kabbalah. Um, there's such amazing teachings. Um, the Course in Miracles has really been dominant in my life mm-hmm. because if you can just, if you can live, <clears throat> and the Course in Miracles talks about everything and talks about nothing, it, it's, it's amazing. So mm-hmm. if you can really embody it, you know, um, it's a beautiful thing. I think it's touched my life the most. That's funny. I didn't know that about you. I've, I'm, you know, a peripheral fan uh and sometimes reader and various times have made it to like day seven of mm-hmm. doing the the 365 day thing but the one thing i always remember from a course in miracles is if you find yourself in conflict or strife you know ask yourself the question would you rather be right or happy yeah right and that one that has saved so much drama and in interpersonal yeah. relationships so once you lose the addiction to being right and that temporary juice yeah. of satisfaction that you get off it, you're willing to surrender that, then you yeah. just let everyone else be right and you'd be happy. Yeah. The Course in Miracles <laughs> says, it says it's our role to tell another person that they're right, even if they're wrong. Mm-hmm. It's our, it, because once you tell a person that they're right, it just takes all the, it just takes everything, all the heat out of the situation, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And it says the only thing that's ever missing in any situation is what we're not giving. And that's a big one in Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. I think a a teacher who really affected me was David Hawkins. And I saw him live. Oh my God. Yeah, you did? Yeah. I didn't know you saw Hawkins. Yeah. Me too. I have a show coming out, uh, uh, I think in two weeks, all about the map of consciousness and his teachings. Yeah. When I saw him, and when, when he said... The only place he told whole elaborate story, and he said, "The only place we're ever going to have a problem is inside of you, because if you don't have a problem, guess what? There's no problem. Mm-hmm. If we we can choose. I don't have a problem. You know, usually you know the first act of war, right? Defense. Mm-hmm. So usually somebody has a problem in front of us, and then we make it real, and then we're we we become defensive." And then we burn some shit down, you know, mm-hmm. if we just stay, you know, it's, it's beautiful. Another person is Dr. Joe Dispenza. I think mm. he's great. Yeah. I, I've been to his master class. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> cool, huh? Amazing. Pretty, so cool. Pretty You've medicine, had him on your... Pretty medicine journey, like oh, those yeah, meditations, completely. man. Like, oh, even I think a couple of the nights when I went to the one in Palm Springs, I thought, man, those meditations are really deep, but I'm going to microdose a little, you yeah. know, like to drop of acid or psilocybin uh, went in there and it didn't really have an impact on it. You know, it was so deep and oh, powerful so deep. already. I realized like, yeah, you don't, this is a different kind of thing. He found, yeah. he found a way into the quantum. He found a niche. Uh, that doesn't require, 
you to do anything else to yourself other than the breathing practices and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah really profound work. I agree. Well, we have a lot in common. We like a lot of the, <laughs> lot of the same jams. Uh, all right, man, let's call it. Last thing is uh, any websites, social media links, anything like that you want to shout out for people that want to look you up? HarryTheHealer.net. Easy you know, breezy. Easy breezy. Simple website. Cool. Just, yeah. All right, dude. Well, great to see you. Let's go eat some food. Let's do it. All right. Okay. Well, gang, we just crushed another episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. That was episode 324, man. It's incredible. It's uh, hard to imagine that I've had the blessing and opportunity to sit down for 324 conversations just like this one. And for those of you that are new to the show, welcome. And I hope you stay for many more. Those of you that have been listening for some time, welcome back. And thank you for your continued support. It brings me great pleasure to share uh, brilliant people like Harry with the world and give them a platform to share their message. And that would not be possible if it wasn't for you, the listeners. Speaking of incredible conversations, oh man, oh man, I'm currently recording this outro from the lovely city of, uh, well, it's not a city, actually, it's quite a country-ass town of Dripping Springs, Texas, outside of Austin, and uh, just did a month and a half stint in Arizona, which you will have probably gathered by now because some of the Sedona episodes have come out. But uh, one that I did out there, which comes out next week, is called BioCybernaut, The Science of Spirituality with Dr. Jim Hart. And man, I got to tell you, if you like this conversation with Harry, you are definitely going to love the conversation with Jim. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, neurofeedback and a number of other things. I mean, Jim is just an absolute cosmonaut of the highest order and uh, next week's episode is a very special conversation so i want to give that a good solid plug to make sure that you tune in and an easy way by the way to make sure that you don't miss any upcoming episodes of the show is just to subscribe to the lifestylist podcast on your podcast app there should be a button on there somewhere that you can click that says subscribe and in so doing you will ensure that each and every week the new episode of this podcast will be downloaded to your device or computer. Uh, so I thank you. I thank our guest, Carrie. I thank next week's guest, Jim. I thank everyone. It's uh, in this new year that I am expressing all of my gratitude for what a wonderful experience of Awakening 2020 was. And uh, I'm so looking forward to what's going to unfold in 2021. You know, despite all of the insanity in the world and the last ditch effort of the powers that be clutching for that power and control. I think it's really exciting that so many people are waking up and finding their own autonomy and thinking critically and independently. And despite all of the censorship on social media, uh, we're finding ways to get this message out, this message of healing, oneness, wholeness, individual rights, freedom, etc. Uh, not to mention the intrinsic wisdom of the human body and its infinite potential for vitality, longevity, and immunity. And uh, along those lines, I'd like to share with you a couple of our great sponsors. We've got Kin Euphorics and kinuphorics.com slash Luke is where you will find some alcohol-free cocktails that are infused with some incredible uh, adaptogenic herbs and different substances from the plant world, legal plant world, 
uh, that really elevate your mood and support your health. And so kinuphorics.com slash Luke is where you're going to find those drinks. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate I wasn't able to plug these guys before, you know, during the holidays, because I think it's a great alternative for parties, but I love this stuff. And I wish I could say that I, I drank it in a more ceremonial way. Um, I don't have a lot of house parties or dinner parties where cocktails would be served anyway, but, uh, no one I know really drinks. Um, so it would be a great idea to grab some of these kin euphorics for, gatherings but honestly i just drink them kind of just as pleasure drinks when i'm just hanging out at home usually at night and uh they're just absolutely very special they kind of have that it depends on what flavor but it's almost like it kind of reminded me of gin and i know that sounds weird maybe that's why they're called kin um (laughs) but they do have kind of a cocktail flavor without the detriments to your health liver and sometimes moral fiber. So kinuphorics.com slash Luke. Next up, we've got organifi.com slash lifestylist. Oh, I forgot to mention. I'm sorry. Back to kinuphorics.com slash Luke. If you use the code Luke, you're going to save 15% off your order and get free shipping. Okay, so that's kinuphorics.com. Then organifi.com slash lifestylist. The code there is lifestylist to save 20% off. And those of you that are longtime listeners... We'll be very familiar with Organifi because uh, they supported the show for the first, I don't know, two or three years or so. And then they took a break for a while and they are back. And I've just recently interviewed their founder, uh, who's become a great friend, Drew Canoli. And uh, he's living out in Sedona. So we spent a lot of time together and uh, we reunited the Lifestylist with Organifi.com slash Lifestylist. There you can find amazing powdered elixirs. They've got the green juice, the Organifi Gold, the Organifi Red, and uh, just really high quality products that taste delicious and make it easy to get superfoods into your body without breaking the bank or having to eat things that taste gross. Last but certainly not least, I'm going to give a shout out to JustThriveHealth.com and specifically their ultimate IgG immune formula. I think right now, you know, whether or not people are afraid of getting the flu or COVID or whatever it is, I'm always a supporter of keeping a strong immune system no matter what's in the air. I mean, when I interviewed Jack Bush, he eliminated Jack, I'm sorry, Zach Bush. It's like a combination of Jack Cruz and Zach Bush. Uh, Both of them (laughs) are folks that I've learned a lot from. Uh, Zach Bush was telling me there's millions of viruses in the air all the time. It's part of our evolution, you know, and I guess that's the difference between germ theory and terrain theory. And I would lean absolutely into terrain theory personally. Makes much more sense, especially if you study the history of uh, how germ theory came to dominate terrain theory. There was definitely some nefarious covering up of scientific and common sense truths in that process. Regardless of whether or not you're a germ theory or terrain theory person, we can all agree that anything that supports your immune system uh, is going to be useful. So if you go to justthrivehealth.com slash Luke and use the code Luke15, you'll save yourself 15% off the ultimate IgG immune formula. It is incredible stuff. Actually, as I record this, Uh, I was uh, sick recently. (laughs) I was in Sedona 
And uh, I had run out of this ultimate IgG. And I can't, you know, say that I, I wouldn't have gotten sick had I been taking this. Who knows? There's, there's a lot of contributors to why one might fall ill. But uh, I was certainly bummed when I realized that I didn't have any more of that particular product on hand because I thought, man, I might have been able to save myself from having this three or four days of, you know, kind of feverish, a uh, feverish uh, body ache kind of situation. So justthrivehealth.com slash Luke is uh, one way that you can fortify the old immune system. All right, guys. So that's it for this week's show. Welcome to 2021. I want to encourage everyone to keep the faith and know that we are in the eye of a storm. And it, it's not the first storm and it's not the last. It's a huge transition for all of us on the planet and the shadow elements of the human species and the people that we put in positions of leadership are being shown like never before. And uh, I really believe the Death Star, uh, to use a Star Wars analogy, is, is on the verge of being exploded. And it gets exploded by people thinking and speaking freely. So I'm going to keep doing so. Uh, right or wrong, good, bad, indifferent, as long as I possibly can, I'm going to use whatever available channels of communication and social media I can until they kick me off one of them or all of them. Uh, I will not be stopped. I will not be silenced. I encourage you to explore some of the alternative modes of communication. You know, we've got Parler and Telegram and Rumble and a lot of virtuous social media and tech companies that are emerging out of the void of corporate controlled, censored, curated, uh, mind control, manipulative, addictive social media platforms. And I'm still on them because it's the game, uh, but I am hoping myself and people like me that value freedom of expression, freedom of speech will eventually merge to all of those platforms and the old platforms will become echo chambers of corporate mind control and propaganda and will implode unto themselves and all be left in the dust like a MySpace of the days of old or Atari in the days of PlayStation. You know what I'm saying? So it's up to us to keep sharing these ideas. I would greatly appreciate if you share this episode with someone who you feel might benefit from the information provided. Uh, if you tune into next week's episode by subscribing to the show, make sure to share that with a friend and, uh, you know, support the sponsors if you can and you want to. But more than anything, I truly just appreciate you listening and helping people like me to give voices to creative, brilliant, out of the box thinkers like my friend Harry Paul. God bless and happy new year. Be back next week. <laughs>